Welcome to the Created to Flourish podcast, where we'll explore the believer's call to respond to great global need. In each episode, we'll be reading a chapter from a book called Created to Flourish, co-authored by Peter Greer and Phil Smith, and we'll examine how employment-based solutions empower families to use their God-given abilities to serve their communities. I'm your host, Hannah Ruth, Hope International's Regional Representative in Minnesota. In this episode, we'll talk through some of the common pitfalls microfinance institutions face and how to avoid them. If you're just joining the podcast, we'd recommend going back and starting from episode one and listening to the episodes in order. Let's dive in. Chapter 13, Pastors Seldom Make Good Bankers, written by Peter Greer. A pastor in Rwanda told me he had tried to launch a microfinance program several years earlier. With a rueful chuckle, he described how disastrous it was and how he lost two things. First, I lost money as people assumed that money coming from the church was a grant, not a loan. Second, I lost people in my church. If individuals were late on payments, they would not come to church. Perhaps they were nervous that I'd ask for their repayment as they were leaving the church, or that I'd preach a difficult message targeted right at them. It just didn't work. This pastor recognized that it is possible to harm the church while trying to do acts of service. Inappropriately organized or administered microfinance supports the Swahili proverb, that which spoils friendship is borrowing and lending. From personal experience, I know that if the design of a microfinance project is wrong, there will be virtually no end to the difficulties. Relationships will be strained and ministries will be ineffective. The tools described in this book could have a negative effect if used improperly. It is our hope that we can save you some of the heartache many others have already experienced. This chapter highlights several important cautions that will help improve the chances of success when implementing microfinance. It is divided into two sections, operational issues and specific challenges for the church. Operating with excellence. When creating or managing a microfinance institution, there are internal operational issues that significantly influence the likelihood of running a successful program. Internal controls. Nothing hurts the ministry of a church more than moral failure. I've heard of several Westerners who wanted to support local entrepreneurs by giving funds to local churches, expecting the money would be used properly. We trust the local pastors and entrepreneurs. We know they have good hearts. This is a common sentiment, yet we could actually be placing our brothers and sisters in serious temptation. It would be foolish to encourage a pastor while on the road to share a hotel room with a person of the opposite sex or for a pastor to take up the offering every Sunday without any oversight. Who would willingly place a leader in these tempting situations? In the same way, simply handing large amounts of money to our brothers and sisters overseas, relying exclusively on trust, is often setting them up to fail, both financially and morally. If we are serious about assisting, we do them a greater service by first installing strong systems of internal controls and accountability. Although the amounts of money involved in microfinance might seem small compared to U.S. standards, they easily amount to years of wages for any one person in Bangladesh or Malawi or Peru. It is not fair to tempt church leaders with these amounts of money when their families and friends may be faced with immediate financial needs. Imagine a local pastor who receives a large sum of money to be used in microfinance, 
on the same day he learns that a member of his congregation is HIV positive and needs medicine. Local church leaders and pillars within the Christian community have brought shame to the church's mission, sometimes with good intentions and sometimes maliciously, that could have been prevented with rigorous controls to minimize temptation and ensure that funds were used according to their intended purpose. Count the cost. A woman who had served as a lifelong missionary in Africa inherited $10,000. With excitement in her voice, she described how she had heard of microfinance and that she was interested in having our organization begin a new microfinance institution in the community where she had served. I didn't want to dampen her excitement, but the reality was that $10,000 is not sufficient capital to launch a microfinance institution. This woman is not alone. Starting a full-fledged microfinance institution is an extremely costly venture. You need appropriate systems that can track repayments and loan officer performance. You need enough capital to support an administrative office. You need the expertise to navigate the regulatory requirements of central banks. Doing quality microfinance normally requires funding in the seven-figure range for each country of service, and you can't count past the decimal point. The right skills. Many people and organizations now starting microfinance programs have previously been focused on traditional charity and missions. However, microfinance requires a different skill set. If you haven't balanced your checkbook recently, it's likely you aren't the right person to lead a new business venture. Sustainability and interest rates. One of the most powerful aspects of microfinance is that it can cover its operating costs. This allows an entity to operate over many years or even decades if external funding stops. Achieving this goal requires an interest rate sufficient to cover local operating costs. There are too many examples of MFIs that have fizzled out due to insufficient revenue, leaving loan recipients little better off than they were before. The entrepreneurs most MFIs serve are looking for financial services they can trust over the life of their business, not another short-term project. Take repayments seriously. Since we're focused on helping people living in poverty, shouldn't we just forgive the few borrowers who might not be able to pay back a loan? Surely we don't need the money as much as they do, right? This common sentiment will not only cause repayment rates to plummet, but it also has the potential to hurt the community in the long term as local individuals will be conditioned not to repay. Once the credit well is poisoned, it is difficult for other groups to operate successfully in the area. If entrepreneurs did not repay the last microfinance institution, they assume that the word credit is really just a disguised grant. And when grants are mixed with loans, all you get are groans. Work with the government. Governments get squeamish when outsiders enter their country to lend money. And for good reason. There are too many examples of unscrupulous behavior in the lending industry around the world for regulators to turn a blind eye. They know that lack of trust in financial institutions sends shockwaves throughout an economy. Those lending money and engaging in savings must do so in a way that builds the financial infrastructure of a country. MFIs need to cooperate with laws and requirements of local officials in good faith and to the best of their ability. Keeping the Mission While these issues are common to anyone engaged in microfinance, the following challenges are specific to churches engaged in this form of poverty alleviation. Avoid Rice Christianity when some of the first English missionaries to Asia confronted the region's grinding poverty some 200 years ago, 
they saw the people's dire need for rice and gave away all the rice they could. They persuaded churches in England to donate money for rice, which they purchased locally and distributed to those in need. The missionaries were sincere and well-meaning, and as long as they provided rice, members of the community attended church. The size of services increased substantially. But when the rice ran out, the churches emptied. These church folk became known as rice Christians. Good works, like offerings of rice or capital, are a critical part of serving Jesus Christ. But when they are used in a way that rewards religious involvement, the resulting faith of the followers is most likely shallow or non-existent. When an MFI only offers its services to Christians, it can appear to be bribing people into the kingdom of God. This is not the biblical understanding of service. Unfortunately, even when the church doesn't intend to do this, others can still misunderstand the church's motivation. This is one reason why we encourage microfinance institutions to love and serve all with equal treatment and not to show partiality when evaluating potential clients. Keep the mission central. Healthy organizations grow and develop. Unwillingness to adapt to changing circumstances is a recipe for stagnancy and irrelevance. Yet an organization can adapt so much that there is nothing left of the original. Many organizations founded on Christ have drifted away from their original mission to the extent that their founding principles are no longer recognizable. Consider Barclays Bank. Its original mission statement was to create honorable employment and beneficial businesses that honor God. Founding documents described how each day was to begin with prayer and faith was to be infused into every aspect of the bank's operations. Looking at Barclays today, it is difficult to find evidence of these religious roots or founding practices. After hearing a presentation on Hope International, several executives from a leading nonprofit organization that builds homes expressed their surprise at how overt we are about our faith and asked, aren't you worried that you will offend some people? I later learned that less than 15 years ago, their organization was open about faith. But this candle was snuffed out after they discovered individuals outside the organization did not approve of the religious elements of their work. To accommodate a wider audience and secure more funding, they slowly walked away from their original motivation and methodology. Guarding against gradual mission drift requires an intentional approach that connects the actions and practices of an organization to its mission. At Hope International, ensuring that we have an impact on physical and spiritual poverty is at the core of our identity. We believe this combination of sharing the gospel and providing financial services is key to lasting transformation for families in poverty. To protect this spiritual focus, we prioritize Christ-centeredness first in our strategic planning, focus on discipling our staff, routinely monitor our progress on key spiritual metrics, and hire people with not only the right skills, but the right hearts for ministry. People with the head of a banker, but the heart of a pastor. Partner with the local church. The former Anglican Archbishop of Rwanda, Emmanuel Colini, described an experience he had with a prominent Christian relief and development organization engaged in microfinance. When they arrived in Rwanda, they asked us for our help. We helped them register, find the right connections, and set up their operations. Yet as soon as things were moving, they turned their back on the local church. Ignoring the local church is not an option for organizations devoted to Christ. Not only will the local church outlast foreign organizations, but the local church is often the most influential institution in a community. 
it would be a waste not to use the most obvious and beneficial resource available. Further, for long-term benefits for the kingdom, it is imperative to grow local church leadership and improve the lives of members. They are God's hands and feet in those communities, and we are stronger when we work closely with them as part of the same body. The Hope International Director in one Asian country had a passion for unreached people and was pushing the frontier on microfinance. A survey of all loan recipients in one branch discovered that more than half of the clients said they heard about Jesus Christ for the very first time through Hope. Individuals were seeing the benefit of microfinance and hearing about the love of Jesus Christ, and they were responding. Unfortunately, the local church was simply non-existent, and these individuals were left without access to further spiritual development. In an area where freedom of religion is severely restricted by the government, there were few options. Hope did not have the ability or expertise to launch churches or disciple clients to become fully devoted followers of Christ. Hope had helped spread the gospel and introduce many to Jesus Christ, but was unable to see these new Christians grow in maturity. Young Christians need spiritual guidance, so we now focus on working in areas that have a local church presence or partner with a church planning ministry. This allows us to ensure that newly believing clients can become part of healthy churches. Measure and Compare Results A survey tracked funding released by the Ministry of Finance in Chad that was intended for rural health clinics. The survey's goal was to determine how much of the funding actually reached the clinics. It was not concerned with whether the clinic spent it well or even if it made a positive impact on the community, only with whether it arrived. The findings were shocking. Research concluded that less than 1% of the funding reached the clinics. 99% failed to reach its destination. Where was the accountability? Accountability is a bedrock principle in the business world, where the clear bottom line of profit makes it possible to assess performance. However, nonprofit organizations often have little accountability and few techniques with which to allocate more resources to the most effective programs. Nonprofits and for profit MFIs must decide what to monitor and how to monitor it in order to ensure performance. Measuring performance indicators like the total amount of money loaned, repayment rates, and return on equity are necessary to build a high performing MFI. Measuring impact in the realm of Christ-centered microfinance is much more difficult. Along with providing loans, how do we know if individuals are growing in their faith or even becoming less hostile to the claims of Jesus? Unfortunately, too often the quality of fundraising literature seems to matter far more than the quality of work. There is virtually no oversight of what organizations do. They are continents away from the people who have entrusted them with their cash. Despite the difficulty, there needs to be accountability. We all need it. For example, in addition to external audits and agency ratings, Hope International has a spiritual integration team to help assess the spiritual impact of our efforts. This team coordinates with local leadership to ensure that each country is monitoring and measuring culturally appropriate activities and results. This tracking includes everything from the number of church partners to the impact on clients participating in discipleship groups. We believe this monitoring will help guide holistic impact on the lives of clients. Given the significant challenges inherent in operating a successful microfinance institution, many organizations see partnerships as an attractive option. Specifically, churches that partner with microfinance institutions become voices that are critical in protecting the organization's mission. 
In the next chapter, we'll discuss practical ways your church or small group can get involved. Thanks for joining us on the Created to Flourish podcast. This podcast is a production of Hope International, a global nonprofit that responds to the call to serve those living in poverty by providing discipleship, biblically-based training, a safe place to save, and small business loans. If you're interested in learning more about Hope International, we invite you to check out Hope's website, www.hopeinternational.org.